Hello, my name is John Brink. Uh, we today here in beautiful downtown Prince George with a, a podcast on the Brink, and uh, it, it is in British Columbia, uh, beautiful British Columbia in the northern half, in the capital of the northern BC is Prince George. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Lucy Pornier, and and Lucy is an in amazing individual. I had the pleasure of meeting her a number of weeks ago and she's a young lady that uh, in, I'm, uh, I'm going to take the liberty of saying that she's likely in her early 20s and that she is an air traffic controller on the Prince George Airport YXS and she will tell us all about all of that and many more things. Lucy. Welcome to my program. Thank you so much for having me. So, where are you from? Are, are you from British Columbia originally? or? I am. I grew up in Langley, uh, just outside of Vancouver. Okay. And uh, I have three brothers and four sisters. Okay, big family. Big family. And um, when I you, was Where young, do you fit in? Whole... Uh, number three. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up... Um, very different from my siblings, uh, you know, in preschool, they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I announced in front of everybody, I was going to fly planes and ride motorcycles. <laughs> so why? Um, I, I don't really know kind of where it started, a few yeah. things, but um, my mom was adopted by a Dutch couple that immigrated to Canada. Yeah. And um, after school, they really wanted her to go and explore Europe, go and meet her family in the Netherlands. And she did so much traveling and she had all these stories when we were growing up of all the places she had been and all the people she met and experience she had. And I think part of it for me, flying was going to be the career that took me to all these places and meeting yeah. all of these people. So right from a young age, super yeah. passionate, wanted to fly. Yeah. Uh, my mom was out grocery shopping one day and she met air cadets out fundraising for the Royal Canadian Air Cadet yeah. program. Yeah. And she came home with brochures and she said, if you work really hard, you can earn a scholarship to get your pilot's license Old for then. free. Hmm? I was eight when eight. I found out about the program. Wow. Um, and still so, in Langley. Still in Langley. That day I went home and I pulled up the application on the computer, printed it off, filled it out, dated it. Uh, you can't join Air Cadets until you're 12 years old. Uh, okay. So four years later, I walked in with that same application and they looked at the date on it. <laughs> and they said, this is a little dated. Let's get you a new one to fill out. Yeah. Um, so from 12 to 19, I was a part of the Royal Canadian Air Cadets out of the Langley Airport. And I, I just, I loved aviation, but there's so much to do in the cadet program. I got to learn survival skills and explore music skills and first aid. Um, but my passion was aviation. I knew nothing when I started, but by the time I turned 19 and left, I had all this fundamental knowledge. I had a glider private license, wow. a private pilot's license. All in Langley? All out of At the, the airport in Langley? Um, no, they do the training in other places. So I did my glider license out of the military base in Comox. Okay. And I did my private license at the Victoria Flying Club. Yeah, the YYJ. Yes. Yeah, so we both, we both have flown there and, uh, yeah. Oh, I love the island. <laughs> yeah. And especially, you know, the, uh, the, the airport in uh, Victoria in particular, and, and you are obviously an expert in this, uh, and uh, I... I trained 
I got my private license in Watson Lake in the Yukon in 1967, and then I got my training for my commercial at YYJ Victoria. And, uh, but they always told me, and you can relate to that as well, that if you can fly in Victoria, you can fly anywhere because it's a complex, uh, uh, there is uh, th three runways that are all intermingled and then it's a complex taxi system. And it's a busy, busy airport because there is uh, private, a couple of schools, there is military, there is, uh, 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 float planes overflying from Vancouver to Victoria Harbor and it is a busy airport and it's not one I would want to work at as an air traffic controller. <laughs> I remember when I did my training I accidentally exited onto another runway and the controller says to me you're not on the taxiway you're on the runway and I never made that mistake again. <laughs> no no but um, no, it was, it was very busy and it definitely, you know, gave me the confidence going forward to be able to fly into other airports in the Lower Mainland. So just going back a bit sure. again to the time you grew up. So you went to high school mm -hmm. and you got your high school diploma, I presume. And yes. then from there on end, in terms of your schooling, where did, where did, where did you go then? I really developed a passion for the military uh, yeah. through my exposure with the air cadets and um, so my goal of becoming a pilot when I was younger it turned into it just developed into you know okay what specific kind of pilot do I want to be how am I going to get that training where am I going to get it so yeah. um, my dream was to be a search and rescue pilot with the military flying buffaloes out of Comox yeah so while I was still in high school, I was writing the aptitude tests for the military and doing interviews and all the preparation physically, mentally to yeah. get ready. I had, you know, put forward applications one year. They even called me um, to advance my application. And I said, I still haven't quite finished high school yet. So yeah, yeah. they said, OK, we'll call you back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so as I was going through that process, um, I hadn't applied to any other universities. I That is where I was going and what I was doing. And then it came to the medical assessment uh, portion of my application. And you have to submit all of your uh, medical history and right. records. And they looked back and they said, oh, as a kid, your family doctor thought you had asthma. And I said, I don't have asthma. I've never had asthma. No. I've gone to the hospital and done the tests yeah. and the tubes and the breathing to show that I don't have asthma. Right but it never got corrected to say what it was or to find out why I was having similar symptoms at the time. So my application got rejected for the military. I couldn't continue on uh, the path for training. And that's when you were 19? 18. 18. Now, and, and you, if you would have gone to COMAX, which is a military airport, mm -hmm. and that, uh, you know, the... Uh, and if you would have flown buffaloes, that mm -hmm. would have been for those people that are watching. Those are the <laughs> yellow ones that are flying around. So and beautiful. usually when they are flying around the buffaloes, then there usually is problems of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. They are rescue or uh, doing that kind of thing. Yeah, I was very passionate about that kind of work. And right. um, I thought it would, you know, be meaningful and fulfilling. Yeah. So that was a bit of a setback. Now what? Uh, it was a very big disappointment. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, like I said, I, I didn't have the money to go to university at the time. And, and I got 
the letter in the mail end of August. So, you know, university's first semester would have been coming up in a couple of weeks and yeah. I hadn't applied to for any scholarships or any programs. So I was really scrambling last minute yeah. um, to figure out what I would do next. So I enrolled in the University of the Fraser Valley uh, in a business program, a business degree program, because okay. that was what was paired with flying at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, interesting. Uh, so for the four-year degree, how they pair it is over the four years, you'll do your four years of schooling and four years of flying, starting with your private license. Okay. But it was a little, we didn't quite have enough time to tailor it to the kind of program that I needed on the flying side because okay. I was coming into the four-year program already having my private pilot's license. So I was right. at a different place than my classmates were starting. Right. Um, so it just it became a frustrating process. Um, so I eventually stopped on the flying side, and I just continued with studies um, in things that I thought would kind of help progress me as I figured out my next move: my math, my English, yeah, yeah. sciences. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I was, you know, in class, and I thought, you know, how cool would it? be to go to university and I'm going to be in a tailored program and an aviation program with people who are passionate about what they're going to do next and you know whether it's flying or if it was the business side starting a business and it really wasn't the case for me it's not the experience that I had the more experience that I found was that I'm in this university in Abbotsford where everyone who's gone to high school in the Abbotsford area goes there and they're still friends with their high school friends and still working yeah, yeah. their high school jobs. So when yeah. it came to like group projects, you yeah. know, two out of six of us would show up to work on the project together yeah. or nobody really had kind of gotten their social skills under their feet yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whereas the University of British Columbia, you've got people coming from across the country and across the world All to over. attend and you have to make friends or yeah. you have to make connections. Exactly. Whereas, you know, when I was there, it just didn't seem like people were forced to or wanting to start making those connections early. Right. Um, and I thought to myself, well, I don't see myself running a business. Right. And so I'm not quite sure what I'm doing studying at this moment. So I'm going to take a step back and work and yeah. then figure out what I want to do next. Yeah. So I'd work some odd jobs. And in the meantime, you know, because I'd come from the cadet program, they knew I had aged out of the program at 19. They said, well, why don't you come back, apply as a cadet instructor's cadre officer to teach cadets? and then you can do your training to become a flight instructor on the gliders. Okay. So I spent the summer of 2016 in Comox uh, yeah. doing that training to become a flight instructor, and then I spent the summer teaching on gliders. Yeah, um, so interesting. That's kind of where one area of mentorship really kind of helped pull me. Did you already have your private license then? I did, yes. You got, where did you get your private license? In, in? Victoria. Oh, but for my glider's license, no. I did in Comox as a cadet. Yeah, but for the private license uh, for your flying, you got in Victoria at YYJ? Victoria, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. And um, so just, you know, teaching on the gliders, I was kind of going back to the roots of my flying and where yeah. I started, we're back to basics. I'm teaching 16-year-olds how to fly gliders in 11-minute flights. Exactly. So it yeah. was a very hard, very long, very rewarding. Um, very rewarding. Very rewarding summer. And I, yeah. I'm so glad that it was, you know, that I was invited to come and suggested what that. What an opportunity, right? It was a great opportunity. Yeah. And so that's kind of the first 
not the first place that mentorship played in my life, but where it really kind of changed the direction that my life was Holy going then, to go. When you finished there in Comey? Uh, I just did the summer, so yeah. I was there. I was 19. Still 19? Yep, still, still 19. Young. Yeah, so, yeah. Still young. Still uh, young. In the meantime, I had uh, another mentor, a family friend of ours. Um, and he had known my family for years. And he, since I was 16, was saying, you know, okay, I'm an air traffic controller. I know you love aviation. Why don't you come to work with me sometime and see what we do? On what a coincidence. The other side, right? Yeah. Well, I never had any exposure to air traffic control. No. I always had the exposure to pilots and flying. and that's Most what people I don't, right? <laughs> so, you know, and I, I kind of laughed. He said, if you ever needed an alternative career, like, this is a great one. And I yeah. said, well, this seems like a great job, but I'm going to be a pilot. <laughs> yeah. And, um, well, so sure enough, I had put in an application for the company I work for now, Nav Canada. Again, I was 18. And Nav Canada uh, controls or pretty well manages all the control towers in Canada, right? Yes. Aside from military, they do the good portion of every control tower, yeah. flight service, and yeah. control centers Contact across Canada. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, you have to be 18 to apply yeah. and you don't need a secondary degree. And uh, so on my 18th birthday, I had reapplied and um and then when it when i turned 19 again i said okay well i'm going to refresh this application yeah. add in everything i've done since and the experiences that i've had yeah and i heard from them two weeks later so this was about february before i started flight instructing yeah and so i called up this mentor that i had and i said i just heard back they want me to continue in the application process yeah and so he says, okay, there's a new employee referral program. Like, let's sit down. We'll go for coffee. We'll work on your application together. Yeah. And he, you know, really helped me along the way. Yeah. So I went and I continued their testing. And in the testing process, I had gone to the control center in Vancouver. And at some point, I got to take a sneak peek at the simulator uh, for controlling. Yeah. And so they invited me to come and check it out and see what it was. And Did you know somebody on the inside? Because it's hard to get into control towers. Uh, well, this was the, for the application, I did okay. my, you know, interview and my testing at the center. So okay. I was already there and yeah. they invited okay. me to come in and look at it. So yeah, yeah. I'm sitting in the simulator and they're teaching me the phraseology and just very simple, you know, turn left, turn right, climb, descend. Yeah. And it was a little bit like a video game. Planes coming in from every direction and you yeah. just have to get them to one runway. <clears throat> And so I have got a headset on and a, a foot pedal that triggers the microphone. And I it's the real thing, right? Well, you did. And, and yeah. so I, I feel myself kind of get into this rhythm. Okay, which plane am I talking to here? Which plane am I talking to next? And it, it's just, it was like rhythm. It was like music. And I felt the gears in my head start to turn the way they... Yeah they're meant to turn like I love flying I'm so passionate about flying yeah. but if I did it yeah. as a job I don't know that I would love it as much as I love controlling yeah. planes and doing what I do yeah. now yeah. Um, but it was the first time that I really thought I am using my skills and my abilities towards what I am meant to be doing so yeah. that was my aha moment yeah. um, so I continued with the application process and I thought I did really well in the testing yeah aptitude test your math your English spatial orientation 
And so, you know, fast forward, okay, now I'm instructing in Comox and we're having a briefing one day in the office before all of our students arrive and we got a break. And I'm, I know my email is coming from Nav Canada one day to invite me for an interview. Yeah. And I'm refreshing under the table and scrolling and refreshing and yeah. we let out for a five minute coffee break and yeah. it pops up on my phone. So I run out of the room just outside of the door and I pull it up. And the first thing that I read is, um, we thank you for your interest. We encourage you to continue to build your skill base and experience and um, keep an eye out for future opportunities with us. And I was crushed. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I just, I sat on the floor and oh, no. I'm crying. I just, I can't control that emotion. Oh, so I'm no. letting it out. And um, all these high ranking military officers come out of the room and they walk past me and, and they don't know whether to keep walking and pretend I'm not crying or to like, to help or, and so they're like, uh, uh, okay. And so they kept walking. And so then, <laughs> I get a second email about five minutes later as I'm sitting on the floor trying to compose myself to go back into this briefing. And it's from the HR advisor who says, I'm so sorry, my intern sent you the wrong email. You've been accepted to the next phase. <laughs> oh my so goodness. So now I'm still in tears and I'm laughing. And now all these high-ranking military officers are She's coming nuts. back. She's nuts. No question Certifiably about it. Certifiably nuts. And I'm yeah. like, oh no. Okay, yeah. well... So they all they all knew the process that I was oh, going through, my. and so once yeah. I explained what had happened, you yeah. know, we're all laughing. Yeah. And uh, so I I got a day's leave to leave um, from the summer from the base. I flew back to Vancouver. My mom picked me up with my interview outfit and drove me to the center. And um, it's all gated and secure, so you have to wait outside the door, and you're waiting for an escort to come and bring yeah. you in. Yeah. And I'm kind of pacing in front of the door waiting and trying, you know, my last minute points. What am I going to say in the interview? Yeah. And how do I close the interview? The end. I'd done tons of interviews with cadets, but the end where they go, do yeah. you have any questions for us? Comments? Yeah. You know, I, I had never really known exactly what to say. Yeah. But I'm pacing outside the front door and there is a plaque on the door. And it said, through these doors walk the most highly trained professionals in the world. And that really just sat with me and I just internalized it. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but it was exciting and That's I'm no here and I'm interviewing. So, yeah. you know, I went through my interview and just preparing for it, I had called up my mentor and I said, what can you tell me about the person who's doing the interview? Anything, anything that'll help. And yeah. I, you know, went in and knowing what department for the company he worked for and that he was ex-military and I, oh, great, I can talk. I ended up talking the whole interview about my experience just working on the base in Comox exactly. and the teamwork it took and uh, the long hours and just how we came together and um, just all the experiences and things that I was going through uh, on the base. And uh, he was very impressed. But not only that, I had done my preparation for the company. I had learned what types of air traffic control there was. Yeah. Um, so... There are two types of uh, air traffic controllers. There are the VFR or the tower controllers who work in the towers on site at the airport. Right. And then there's IFR controllers or center controllers. Yeah. And um, centers are not always based at the airport. So the one yeah. in Vancouver is actually in Surrey in an old furniture warehouse yeah. building. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, these are the men and women sitting there with no windows. It's radar screens wall to wall yeah. and they have a headset and their own sector and they're talking to their pilots who are between airports and going overseas. And yeah, so for instance, just kind of mentioning this, yeah. that so you step in your plane, you got the tower sitting there. Mm -hmm. I always looked at the tower, you know, because I know some people in the tower, not only here, but also in YYJ and, uh, you know, and then having trained there, uh, you know, that, you know, as soon as you move the aircraft, then you talk to ground, right? Yes. So, or first what you do, uh, uh, you get the weather, uh, you know, forecast. And then from there and then you talk to ground. Mm -hmm. And then from there and then what happens next? So if you're flying out of Prince George and you're going to Victoria for yeah. the weekend. So when you, like you said, you get your weather and then you talk to ground. Okay, and you're going to call them up. They're going to ask you, okay, you know, where are you going if you haven't already filed a flight plan? Right. Um, so I look at your plane and I match it with the pilot and the plane and then we get you moving on the airport. So I determine which direction you're departing in, which runway we're going to use and that's dependent. Why, is the direct, why not depart whatever is easy? <laughs> well, it, it depends on the airport. Here in Prince George, yeah. we don't have as much traffic as Victoria. No. Yeah, so yeah. Victoria's going to have that one runway that's active and everyone's going to be sent for it. Yeah. Here, if you're the only plane that's taxiing out at the time, or there's one or two, or you're yeah. going to be departing behind a bigger plane, it's going to yeah. be easier for me to send you. We have six different runway options here in yeah. Prince George, so yeah. why not use them? Yeah. So. Um, it's going to depend on the wind. If the wind is particularly strong in a direction, everyone's going to be using that runway. You want to depart into the wind. Yeah. Um, if it's calm, I want to know which direction you're going because that is going to save you fuel and get you to your destination faster. So yeah. as I'm talking to you, I'm doing all those calculations in my head and I'm giving you directions on the airport where I want you to go. I'm making sure that uh, each plane has their own taxi route so that you're not uh, coming nose to nose with another aircraft and then we're pulling you apart. Yeah. And, um, and then we work with um, the Vancouver Center controllers. There's a And specialty. that is Vancouver Center. That is Vancouver Center. Out of and Surrey. that is IFR, right? IFR controllers, yeah. yes. So and, and so so as soon as the plane leaves here, it is mm -hmm. airborne, yes. then it gets to a certain elevation and then you give it over to Vancouver Center That's and right. then they change the radio or something for the plane? Yes. Yeah. So in Vancouver Center, it's going to be made up of a bunch of different specialties. So the right. specialty that we work with, it's called airports. They work with Kelowna, they work with Prince George, and right. then they work with a bunch of smaller airports yeah. um, throughout BC. So electronically, we request permission to let you depart if yeah. you're an IFR aircraft. If you're right. a VFR aircraft, we have full control over and, you. And VFR is visual flight rules yes. that where the pilot looks uh, out and, and, and IFR is instrumental flight rules where they set uh, then they get their settings from the air, from the air traffic controller. Yes. So if you're going IFR, we get permission from Vancouver to depart you. Once we see it light up green, we can give you your takeoff clearance. Yeah. So if you're ever flying IFR and you're sitting on the runway going, why hasn't the controller let me go yet? Yeah. And there's no planes around. Yeah. That's what we're waiting for. Yeah. 
And uh, so then once we depart you, the procedure here in Prince George, um, I would give it to you when you taxi out, you would look at your standard instrument departure and it says, okay, once I hit this altitude, I'm going to change my radio frequency. Now I'm going to talk to Vancouver Center. Yeah. Vancouver Center is going to talk to you all the way down until yeah. you're in the Vancouver area. Is that called flight, fo flight following? It can be, yet they do yeah. provide flight following service. If you're a VFR aircraft, yeah. flight following is just to say it's a traffic advisory. They keep an eye on you They'll as keep you an go eye away. on you, make sure you're not around other airplanes. Yeah. Um, but they'll make sure you're on the right radio channel so that we can keep yeah. constant communication with you. They keep you from creating collisions in the air. Yeah. And it, then once you get close to Vancouver, then they'll pass you back to the Vancouver tower controller at the airport. Right. Who then will sequence the planes, who's going to be first, who's going to be second and so on. And then yeah. land you in sequence. And then you'll exit the runway, talk to the ground controller, get to your destination. So if we were flying Prince George to Victoria, and I do that quite a bit, yes. uh, sitting Pacific Coastal or one of the other airlines, and then flying to Victoria, well, Victoria is there, but why is the plane going first over Victoria? Is that a mistake and saying, oh, sorry, that's not the one. I have to go to that one. Um, because, Not quite. Because of the proximity of Vancouver and Victoria, you have a lot of bigger airplanes coming into Vancouver that are right. flying over top of Victoria. Right. So if you know you are being brought out, it's really because we have a lot of planes and yeah. this much airspace. It's, and it's very deliberate to do that, yes. uh, you know, and then they fly with the direction of where things are going. Yes. You know? So, so the, the reason that I just wanted to take you kind of through that, that so for those people, a lot of people love what is happening in the air. I did as a kid as well. I, I, I was born during the Second World War right. and then I fell in love with airplanes, uh, although they were not doing good things, they were bombing everything. But at the same time, I, I also spent two years in the, in the uh, Air Force and mm -hmm. I wanted to be a pilot, but it didn't happen that way. I, I became Air Force Police and Special Forces. Why, I really don't know, but that's what I wanted to do. And then I got my private license in 1967 and of all places, Watson Lake in the Yukon. Mm -hmm. and, but I love airplanes and everything that has a lot to do with airplanes. There's a certain amount of mystique about air traffic controllers. And mm -hmm. I believe what you saw when you walked into that control room at YVR or wherever it was, that uh, what it said, is that is likely known as one of the most uh, delicate jobs that you can be involved in because mm -hmm. at the same time, if you are uh, air traffic controller, you're watching a number of planes and flying in different directions at different times. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and people that listen to air traffic controllers in particular Anybody would say that listens to it first. What did they say? <laughs> you know, because their lingo goes so quick, so fast, and then as you sit there and you fly and you watch a pilot while he is doing other things, and all of a sudden he will hear in the background, he will hear the controller giving him instructions. He will automatically do that. And the lingo, I, uh, you know, a lot of times anybody that is not involved would not know what, what are they talking about, you know. The official language for aviation in the world is English, but yes. um, it, it, aviation is a language of itself. The phraseology you learn, um, the way you, you communicate with the planes, we have very strict um, 
guides and even the alphabet. We have words to replace all the letters and everything is designed to not create confusion and to have clear communication when we are talking to pilots. So as long as everybody's speaking the same language, um, you know, then it, it works. And the nice thing is, is, you know, I said I from 12 to 19 going through the air cadet program, I started out with no knowledge of aviation. And, you know, when I came out, even knowing the phonetic alphabet and, you know, all those words that replace the letters and, and your numbers and your phrases and how to talk over a radio, those were fundamentals that led into my job. I already had my radio operator's certificate when I walked into Nav Canada and I said, yeah, I got it when I was 14. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good forever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so when I was doing that application, I, I knew these streams. I even knew the third option, flight service um, specialists. They provide weather advisory, traffic advisories at smaller airports throughout the yeah. country. So there was different places I could go in the company. And, and during this interview, he said, okay, well, you, you know, what do you want? Yeah. And originally I, I thought I wanted to be an IFR controller and uh, I knew that they would be running a course the following year. And they said, well, we're putting together a last minute course for a VFR tower. Do you want on? And I said, I'm ready to start tomorrow. <laughs> Where was that? Um, the course I did was in yeah. the center in Surrey. They have their schooling, their classroom, the simulators okay. right in the same building where the yeah. controllers work. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool for me because I started my training a month later in September. And as I'm training, I'm surrounded by people working the job. Perfect, right? Great, like building full of mentors yeah. and experience. And I took every opportunity to pick people's brains. So how long did it take you to take the course and that you were now qualified as a controller? The initial course for myself, there was five um, air traffic controllers on my course or trainees. And um, so between the schooling and the simulator, we finished in about five months and then we got assigned to our towers. So that initial training could take longer depending on what size of class you have. Um, and then once your first tower is assigned by the company just based off of needs uh, a few years in, then you can be a part of the seniority bidding and, you know, bid yeah. to other locations. Yeah. But um, for our class, uh, our options were Langley, Pitt Meadows and Prince George. So my other two classmates were much more tied to Vancouver than I was. Yeah. And they looked at me, the 19 year old sitting in the classroom and they said, well, you're going to Prince George. <laughs> you were 19. I was 19 when I did my training. Is there anybody else 19 as an air traffic controller? Well, the running... In Canada? The, there, I mean, there might be now, but the running joke was, um, so NAV Canada privatized from the government because it used to be run by Transport yeah. Canada in 1996. Yeah. A month before I was born. Yeah. So when we were out in the hall celebrating NAV Canada's 20th anniversary, uh, anniversary, everyone looked at me and said, oh, you haven't even celebrated yours. Yeah. Um, so I finished in the school, I had just turned 20 and I moved up to Prince George in March of 2017 yeah. uh, to continue my training uh, because the second portion of the training then is when you start in your tower, you work with an on-the-job instructor, yeah. uh, you're plugged into two headsets yeah. so that if you make a mistake, the instructor can step in correct. and um, correct the situation and make sure things stay safe as yeah. you're learning. Yeah. Um, so that's very exciting. That took me another five months to complete. And again, yeah. depending on which tower you're at, um, which specialty you're training in, um, that could take longer. So for a VFR controller in a tower, they say anywhere between 10 to 18 months. 
Yeah. Um, for an IFR controller, you're looking at about two years of training before you're fully licensed and yeah. qualified. And and so there are always two people in the tower. Uh, not necessarily. Yeah. No. Um, in Prince George, so we mentioned before, you know, you'll talk to a ground controller um, as you're moving on the ground. Then you'll talk to the tower controller um, for the air. In Prince George, uh, we combine the positions, so yeah. you'll have one person working. Yeah, people both. then change that radio, and then you talk to the same person again, right? Right. So, yeah. So typically, except for the very early morning and the very late evening, yeah. uh, you'll have uh, two controllers here in Prince George. Yeah. Other airports, somewhere in Vancouver, you could have anywhere between four, ten controllers working at the same time, um, and they all have divided their jobs and which right. sections they're working in. There, there was a little bit of risk here in terms of uh, the, uh, because of COVID and other related things, uh, they were going to curtail some of the controlled airports and Prince George was on that list too at one point, but then they changed their mind about it, right? Yes. Um, so. There is, like I said, there is that other service that our company provides, flight service specialists. Right. Um, where they, you know, they'll work in a tower on site as well, but they're not a controller. They provide advisory service. Right. So they'll advise you on the weather, they'll advise you on traffic, but ultimately yeah. it's the pilot making their decisions, advising the specialist, yeah. um, and then, you know, doing their job. Yeah. Um, so how the company decides if it's going to be a tower, which is more expensive to operate sure. or a flight service station, um, it's based on the number of aircraft and movements. Yeah. And Prince George has always been on the cusp of right in between. Yeah. But anytime they've looked at it before, um, it's a pretty complex airport. Yeah. So we have three runways that you can depart either end. So that's yeah. six runway options for us. Yeah. We have a fire base during the summer where fire aircraft are coming in. Lots of them. Lots of helicopters and helicopter training in the yeah. spring and the fall and then participating in fire operations in the summer. Yeah. We have general aviation and flight schools, small aircraft. We have commercial aviation. Um, so, you know, if you're getting on your flight to Vancouver, Victoria, Edmonton. Lots of private know, we airplane. We run all those flights. Too. Lots of private aircraft, especially in the summer when the Americans want to come fishing. They fly their private jets up. This yeah. is their last fuel stop. So, yeah. Uh, we have a medevac base, so um, any um, requirements from the BC Ambulance Service that needs to transfer a patient from one hospital up north where they don't have the same medical access no. that we do, or if Prince George can't provide it and they need to be flown to Vancouver, yeah. we have those planes and we're a big hub for them to the north. It was very important. So yeah. that's, I think, all of those things in factored, even though we might not have met the numbers, the complexity of the operation it takes, it really does take that positive control over aircraft to prevent and, collisions. And then the uniqueness of the region and all yes. the things that you mentioned, it makes it a special region. Even the community, including myself, made the case, no, you can't do that. This airport must remain as, a, as recognized as a, a very critical airport that needs a control center and all the other things about it. Yes. And that will grow and, and expand. And we have, despite 
you know, COVID, we have done a good year with good numbers. And so yeah. the company said, okay, the seven towers across the country we're looking at, we'll hold off, we'll see how they recover from COVID. And, you know, they may revisit things like changing our hours in the future. So maybe yeah. we'll open a little bit later, close a little bit earlier. Um, but the community support that we had and yeah. people writing letters to the company was a yeah. huge support for All us. All of us, right? So yeah. So now you've been in Prince George for about three years? Uh, eight, four and a half. It'll be five in the spring. Unbelievable. Yeah. So five years. The five-year plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the five-year plan. So, so now you've been here for five years and you've been an air traffic controller for five years. You're obviously an experienced one. You're still only, uh, I can say that now, you're still only 24. Yes. And, and still very, very young for a seasoned controller. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously here in Penjurts, and uh, you know the and I already know from you. You love the north, and you love the Penjurts. You told me that before. Look at this fall we're having. The colors yeah. are just beautiful. Yeah. If I was still living in Vancouver, it's gray and rainy. Now the other thing that I found unique about you, Lucy, is when we talked. The reason that we got together is because there is a program that uh, you know that that looking at women in, uh, in aviation, that somebody, uh, I believe her name is Karen, uh, that started something about Kendra. that. Kendra, yep, Kendra and, Kincaid. Ken, yeah, Kendra, and, and, and so it said elevate aviation, mm -hmm. and that is basically how do we get more women involved in aviation. And some of the numbers that I looked at is that, uh, you know, that... Uh, only 6% of women are airline pilots. I thought it was much higher than that, but I got that from the notes. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then, uh, you know, the, the other part, uh, fewer than 5% uh, of women fly transport aircraft. Mm -hmm. And then three, it says females uh, mechanics is only 2%. And, and, uh, and then uh, four, only 11% of uh, air, uh, uh, yeah, air airspace engineers mm -hmm. are women, and then and only 16% have jobs as uh, traffic controllers. 16% a bit higher than I thought it was compared to the other numbers, but still mm -hmm. by comparison very low, and then. Uh, you know, the uh, less than 19% of the Canadian are in the Canadian Air Force are women. So clearly a huge opportunity for women. Yes. Right. And then my, my thought is, why is that? And then obviously with the elevate av aviation and more and, and stimulate more women into uh, the air line or air uh, industry uh, you know became an initiative so tell us about that and you are the representative for this region or for uh, BC uh, tell us a little bit about that yes so um, once I kind of got settled into my career and you know like I didn't know anyone in Prince George when I started here I honestly couldn't point it out on a map when I left Vancouver and um, so after having been here for a couple of years and settling in, I was really looking for some volunteer projects or how could I 
kind of be a part of the community or build myself a community um, knowing that I was going to be here at least for my five-year plan right <laughs> um, you know I had to make it home right. and so I was looking for ways on how to do that right. and my manager had gone to a conference uh, an international conference for women controllers and had met Kendra Kincaid who yeah. started this organization and, and since I've talked to Kendra she always laughs and says you know elevate it was kind of an accident how it started um, yeah. she got a bunch of women in aviation together for another project and they said hey wait this is this is great this is we can't stop this we have to build on where we're at so um, that started in 2015 and it's grown today for so many programs, but the one I got first involved with is called the Cross Country Tour. Right. So my manager, Jessica, had come back to Prince George and said, I met Kendra and she asked if we want to host a cross country tour in Prince George and do you want to be in charge of it? And I said, sure. Yeah. What am I doing? <laughs> what do I have to do? What did yeah. I say yes to? Yeah. Um, but it had kind of developed my philosophy of just saying yes to opportunities and you know, to meeting people and to opening doors because I never, you know, knew where it was going to lead. And yeah. just saying yes and doing things just always opened doors for me. So um, I agreed to do it and I started learning from a fire hose again. And I realized there was a lot entailed and, you know, what do I have to learn to organize and do this and make yeah. it happen? So what it ended up being was um, the first year in 2015, they did it at Edmonton. Now they've expanded to hosting at 35 airports across the country and more and growing every year. But I went out and I spoke at high schools and the college and university and I was inviting young women who were looking at, okay, what's your next, what's your career going to be? Where do you see yourself in the industry? How can you take your skills and apply them? Um, in the working world and so I brought them to the airport I brought in female speakers to come and talk about their jobs and they are again available through Elevate Aviation the, the special speakers right no um, well that year we <clears throat> did have some special speakers from Elevate come and help me and support me in running right. my first cross-country tour right. but really I, I when I planned the 2020 tour I reached out to women in Prince George um, something right. that was very interesting for me is because I work in the tower, I don't go down to the terminal lots. I don't meet a lot of the other airport workers here. Right. But through this initiative, it forced me to go and knock on people's doors and talk to them. Sure. I learned that we have, um, we had a female manager in the tower and myself up there and another retired controller who was a woman, um, Air Canada Jazz, WestJet Encore, Central Mountain Air, Pacific Coastal, all of the base managers here in Prince George are women. Amazing, eh? Yeah. Amazing. So that was something very neat that I got to learn about my own airport, my own community. Yeah. So I thought, well, we have speakers right here. I'm going to start pulling from this pool. We, Great female, idea. Female helicopter pilots, female aircraft maintenance engineers, all based right here in Prince George. Sure. So um, I really wanted to encompass that in the 2020 tour which ended up yeah. being cancelled but we are in the planning works for 2022 now this coming spring yeah um, so i have lots of people to reach out to um and then the day evolved after that um just, you know presentations on their career young women getting to ask and have conversations with them um we had a sponsored lunch um so the event is completely free for women to attend 
And then in the afternoon, I had set up different tours at facilities around the airport. So we toured the helicopter hangar and the RCMP and um, an aircraft maintenance engineering hangar where they had like pulled out parts of aircraft that they yeah. were fixing and, and let the girls hold them and touch yeah. them and yeah. explore them. And yeah. we brought them up to the tower and to the fire hall operation side yeah. of the airport. And it really just gave them a behind the scenes look exactly. at careers. Because when you think of aviation and aviation careers, you think pilot and flight attendant. Yeah. Exactly. But there's so much more that goes exactly. into it. And even I'm still learning the careers out there. Yeah. And through yeah. Elevate Aviation, I've even met women who said, my niche isn't out there yet. I'm going to make my own and have started their own consulting or safety in aviation or wherever they fit in. Yeah. Um, started their own businesses. Yeah. And I, I think that's so phenomenal. So, and the goal of this cross-country tour is career exploration and just exposure that yeah. exposure that you wouldn't normally get so um, i loved getting to bring that to prince george for the first time i'm so excited to continue bringing that program yeah um and it was such a success here that my involvement with elevate aviation I was like okay i, I want to get more involved i want to yeah. learn more so yeah. every year they do a fundraising gala and so that year in 2019, I drove out to Edmonton. I put on a fancy dress and yeah. I got all dressed up and my sister came with me Yeah. and we went to this gala. Yeah. And I learned that each year at this gala, they feature eight women in aviation um, from across Canada in different various careers and just to share their stories and be the Inspire features for that year. Right. And so we're sitting at the table in the gala and, you know, they're introducing the features from that year. They had a um, doctor, um, civil scientist, astronaut candidate. They had women who had created their own aviation consulting businesses. They had a military pilot that was a woman. They had an air traffic controller and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and so, you know, they talk about their careers and they had shot these little minute and a half videos that showcased what these women do and who they are. And I just remember my sister's jaw dropped and she goes, wow, they're really setting the bar high in this room. And these are your people like this is yeah. your industry. And yeah. we spent the whole night just shaking hands and introducing ourselves yeah. and listening to people's stories and yeah. I was I was so fascinated, so engaged yeah. that, you know, okay, my interest went another level and, and I kept learning more. So um, just to talk about some of the other projects that uh, Elevate is a part of, um, they have a mentorship program. Yeah. So, you know, I had young, a young lady come up to me after this cross-country tour saying, I'm really passionate and I want to be an astronaut yeah. when I grow up one day. Well, we don't really have a lot of astronauts here in Prince no. George. So I said, no. but I know one through Elevate Aviation and she's in our Perfect. mentor um, Perfect. pool. So that's kind of the goal of the mentorship program is how do we connect women who are um, wanting to be in the aviation industry yeah. with women who are already in successful yeah. um, 
careers. And willing to communicate. And willing to communicate it. And yeah. the more you talk to <clears throat> women in the, their professions, the more, or, you know, and even men too, right? Um, I, I know lots of pilots uh, who, you know, you, you show this interest in what they do and they just want to share all of their knowledge with you. Same as entrepreneurs and business, right? So, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, you're almost intimidated at first to ask yeah, the question. Yeah, it should not but, be, right? So because exactly. a lot of times they... They love to talk to people that have an interest. Right? right. So as soon as this mentorship program kicked off, we have a countrywide network of women ready to support other women and young ladies yeah. who want to come up into the industry. Yeah. Um, and even for me, like, you know, in, in career jumps, I think, okay, like, where do I go next? How do I grow my career? Am I happy exactly. where I'm at? So you, we have different levels of mentorship. We have introductory yeah. mentorship. We have yeah. training mentorships. We have mentorships for people who want to grow and, you know, prosper their careers. So now somebody will watch this podcast mm -hmm. and obviously be very interested in what you have to say and to hear your career. You know, and again, everything is possible, right? And uh, you know, the uh, and and through circumstance, your dream was airplanes, right? From when you were very, very young, and so, if somebody is watching it, where do they go for information? Is there a website? They should. Yes. Uh, if they go to the Elevate Aviation website, they can connect to the mentorship program. Um, they can fill out their information. And then what happens is this year I actually took on the role as the BC Mentorship Lead and Coordinator. Um, so then those emails then come to me and, you know, you let, I'll set up an introductory, a Zoom call or a phone call, get to know a little bit more about you and where you're at and what your goals and aspirations are. Um, what kind of career you want to explore and then I go through my database or my connections and I find the right woman to pair you with and I put the two of you in touch and then from there hopefully a really wonderful mentorship relationship starts from there. Yeah and could be as simple initially to kind of go to the airport kind of get a better feel of it lots of lots of information on Google uh, potentially thinking about uh, private pilot license mm -hmm. uh, and then you know it appears to me as it is in a, in in a lot of areas that there is a real shortage mm -hmm. of of workers and 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 air traffic controllers is is one that uh, you know we are reminded of often as flyers because uh, you know a lot of times the airplane is delayed because there is uh, a shortage of air traffic controllers on a particular location right by vr is a good um. example <laughs> Lots of shortage. Um, sometimes that's due to just the amount of aircraft coming in at the same time. We can only get so many planes on the runway at once. Exactly. But, so we you know we time it out and we space it out. But um, it's been a couple of hard years uh, through COVID for aviation, for sure. There were <laughs> lots of layoffs and lots of uncertainty and not knowing when the industry was going to return and you know we're still not there at full but capacity. that applies to everything it right? applies to everything um you know the aviation industry is going to have good years it's going to have bad years and but you'll find the people who work in aviation are so passionate about yeah. what they do much you know like reading your book and your stories that starting over was just what you did yeah uh, because you had your goal you had your dreams you knew where you were going next yeah and 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 so 
you know, it's been a rough couple of years, but now we finally, you know, Air Canada, WestJet, they're recalling all of their flight attendants and all of their pilots. And we start to see that turnover. Okay, now they've recalled their staff and they're still not filling capacity. So they start bringing from the smaller airlines and the smaller air airlines are hiring flight instructors. And now there's not enough flight instructors to teach new students to, you know, fill up the chain. So we, we are going to come back and we are going to come back and Stop. I can see it on the parking lots, you know, like mm -hmm. in Victoria or Vancouver, why we are here. I, I have many, many pictures all throughout the 19 months. Uh, I, I, every week I would do at least four or six flights. And uh, fortunately, I was able to do that. And, uh, but a lot of times I got pictures of me walking Seagates in Vancouver, which is probably 300 feet long. I don't know how long. And I take a picture, there's nobody around. Or I'm the only guy in the plane. Right. You know, so, and the, uh, but, but now, you know, the uh, planes are getting f fuller again to where you can see, yeah, it's working. Everybody's feeling better. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and hopefully COVID obviously is going in the right direction. Uh, the, to me, it looks like an amazing opportunities in the uh, air industry, uh, you know, whatever direction that may take. And uh, what I would like to see here in northern BC, because uh, things are expanding here all the time. And with the College of New Caledonia and mm -hmm. potential in particular, uh, you know, that to see uh, the courses that you initially attended in Vancouver when you were... 17 uh, or so mm -hmm. and 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 then uh you know those kind of things at the college level i would love to see programs come to the school that are attached to a flight school you know the same way you know when i first started out you know in abbotsford and yeah. where i could take classes towards a degree or to exactly. certificates or trades and i'm doing my flight training on the side yeah. I think that would be really great up here. Yeah. And then another thing that we're kind of, you know, looking ahead to, so some of the other programs with Elevate Aviation, have, they're looking at these shortages and saying, okay, how can we fill those gaps? Well, one of them is, you, you know, those low stats of women in it. What if we brought those up? Okay, so what is stopping women from getting into aviation? So we have one program, it's called the Economic Security for Women Through Aviation. So yeah. it's a it's a three part program, and the first phase looks at okay. So what are the barriers? Why are you know women not getting into aviation? Is it um, not having enough exposure? Is it yeah. not saying you can do this? And and yeah. that's part of the mentorship program. Yeah. Is, is saying you know this is a good fit for you. You are more than capable of doing. And, and that may well be the key step, uh, Lucy, because the, the, it is not as accessible right. as, uh, you know, to, and your program in particular, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, uh, uh, opens a door into it, plus it has those connections. And that's why, yes. uh, you know, I thought it was so important to have you on this podcast to at least open the door and show uh, you know, the opportunities in terms of from a career perspective mm -hmm. and also from BC and Canada as a whole, all of those particular jobs are, are amazing career opportunities and, and the industry, in spite of all the things that have happened and are behind us, is only going to grow and get bigger. And, right. uh, you know, so, and I certainly, uh, 
I think in another week or two, uh, I'm going to have uh, Dr. Dennis Johnson on a, on a podcast and certainly share it with him as well that, uh, you know, I believe that uh, there are more opportunities for the college in terms uh, from a career perspective mm -hmm. and training perspective. Well, you know, and then we don't just look at the barriers. So then our next phase is we talk to the industry partners, the airlines, the, um, you know, the private companies, <clears throat> air traffic control, all, all of the companies. And we say, okay, what do you need? What do you need um, potential applicants to come with? Exactly. And then phase three is, okay, how can we apply strategic action? What can we do to help bridge that gap from, you know, where people are to where they're ready? So we have the um, Elevate Aviation Learning Center. It's based out of the Edmonton International Airport and they are expanding into Calgary. Um, it was delayed due to COVID. Um, so some of the programs that we have there, we have junior jets from five to 11, which can be school programs, in-person talks, online, um, just exposure for young kids. And then we have exploration camps that can be anywhere from, you know, a school field trip to a week-long camp for um, and girls, all those boys. are online, right? They're all online too. There's yeah. a wealth of information on the Elevate Aviation yeah. website. <clears throat> But um, the funds that we're raising this year at our gala are going specifically to a new designed um, program. It'll be an 18-week program designed more towards um, low-income uh, women who are starting over, women escaping domestic abuse and violence. And this program will take them and teach them industry-ready skills so that when they leave this Elevate Aviation program that's recognized by our industry partners, they can go and take those skills and walk in so to job training. So it prepares them really for the job and mm -hmm. so that as they walk into the area that does the interview, no different than what happened to you. Yes. You know, obviously uh, from the time that you were eight, you were prepared and then over and beyond. And so once you uh, walked in as a candidate, as a uh, air traffic controller, you had all the skill set that you required. And, right. and but then elevate aviation was not uh, an entity that was already there that is there now and it offers those kind of skill sets and I believe that uh, you know for a lot of people are somewhat intimidated by the whole uh, you know mystique around flying and all the things that are happening but it's what I know from my own personal experience it's an amazing and amazing world to uh, you know be involved in it mm -hmm. uh, from a career perspective may that be in the tower or may it be as a pilot or a mechanic or uh, it is an amazing amazing career and very very exciting yeah. the other thing that uh, you know before we uh, end our uh, podcast so as you look forward now now you're sitting here you are a uh, you know a, a highly skilled uh, air traffic controller and at 24 and uh, living in uh, you know northern british columbia what does the future like for look like for you because i believe and i'm saying that somewhat uh, you are a planner already from uh, you know uh, from from early start yes. so now you five-year program that you came to prince george with so what program are you working on now looking forward to the next five years um, so I, I do have a couple of goals and a couple of ideas because life always 
has its way of working out in its own way. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I want to do with Elevate Aviation and we've talked about is we, you know, we have that learning center in um, Edmonton and then soon to be Calgary, but I would love to deploy some of those programs or week long camps. I would love to bring that to Prince George and, yeah. you know, host, um, you know, one of those week long exploration camps here yeah, yeah. and make it more accessible for people. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of one of my passion projects for aviation yeah. um, while I'm here. Um, in the meantime, my partner and I have bought a house this year. We are welcoming a couple of dogs into our home next week. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, we're just, we're loving our life. He works at the airport too. So, yeah. I mean, we've got lots on the aviation side going on, but, yeah. um, you know, lots of home building projects and renovations and yeah. dog walks in our future. And, Beautiful. Um, you know, so just kind of just enjoying this part of life. Um, yeah we have talked about you know what might be a potential move and uh, he's from calgary my family now lives in edmonton so we have yeah. talked about you know making the jump to uh, a bigger tower as a career challenge uh, yeah. for myself and um so you know maybe calgary airport has yeah. a future in store but i love what i've done here and i'm doing and you know for elevate aviation and bringing that to the community of prince george so yeah. i really just want to focus on where i'm at and make sure that that is on a good solid foundation i would love to see it continue to flourish and hand it off um you know if i do leave yeah. cities or you know be able to come back um but really i i've achieved that goal of you know wanting to be around planes and wanting to establish my career and you know, be in a good place in my life. So, and one of the great things about being a controller is you say they go, you go to work, you plug in, you go home. You don't take that work with you. You're not yeah. up all hours of the no. night thinking about your job. Yeah. Um, so you really get to go in and live your life. And so I do right. a lot of camping with my family and traveling when I can. And, sure. and I'm 24. So now I have lots of time to dream big and figure yeah. out what that next down the road road yeah. goal is but i really just am enjoying my life where i am now yeah and i think the uh, colonies of new caledonia is certainly something that uh, you know you should get uh, you know we should get in touch with uh, them and i'm certainly going to raise it with them as well you know so lucy it was a pleasure to have you on our podcast thank you so much and you are an inspiration you know so uh, <laughs> thank you thank you again for having you on my show and for our guests that have been watching uh, all about uh, airplanes to a certain extent but also about uh, uh, selecting a career very early in life and uh, and then driving to that goal uh, every step of the way and so for the young people that uh, and the ones that are not quite so young anymore but uh, that are still looking for uh, satisfaction in life in terms of choosing a career always believe that uh, at least from my perspective has always been that uh, attitude f uh, avoid the negative passion find the love that you like to do whatever that may be uh, you want to be a carpenter or you want to be involved in aviation or the lumber industry find your passion and then work ethic and what follows is success thank you again for being on the podcast